0: Hello, it's Pinky Guerrero on the mic today. Welcome back to your final three episodes of Maggie's Place, the official podcast. Ah, it's so surreal saying that out loud. As we mentioned earlier in the beginning of our series, I am an AmeriCorps member and have committed to volunteer a year of service. Now, my time with Maggie's Place as an AmeriCorps is coming to an end at the end of the month. But don't fret, the podcast will continue. We will simply be in a transition period in which we will introduce you to a new host. Woohoo! I will shed more light on that on our final episode. For now, please enjoy this long-awaited podcast featuring our amazing family coaches. Dina, Candace, Alicia, Emily, Courtney. They'll share information on what they do at Maggie's Place, inspiring stories that left an impact, and much more. As always, please don't forget to share this podcast on your social media pages and make sure to favorite this podcast as well. In this upcoming clip, you'll hear from our family coaches at Maggie's Place. Our family coaches do many wonderful things from helping our moms set goals, providing them resources. And you know what? There's actually no better person to explain exactly what they do than our very own family coach. I'll have Candace take it from here as she explains to our listeners what it is they do at Maggie's place. Take it away, Candice.
1: And also help to serve kind of as a liaison in the homes to our resource center um, where the moms will take classes and uh, kind of help facilitate the relationship with them and the AmeriCorps that are living in the house with them as well.
2: Great. Anyone tell me, as a mom that you're working with, her story and how has she inspired you? I'll start.
3: I'm so I started work with our alumni
2: moms. Um, Can you tell people what that means?
3: Sure. So, once a mom moves out of our home, she's able to stay until the baby's nine months to a year old, uh, and once she moves out, we want to continue relationship with her and her children, so we offer alumni services meaning they're able to continue with all of our parenting classes and the different classes that we offer the moms in the home, um, and they can uh, opt to stay in voluntary family coaching. And so um, they might meet with me once a month, once every few months, sometimes once every week, and we talk about different goals they have, resources that they need, things like that. Uh, once we get into the coaching sessions, it's pretty similar to what it's like in the homes, um, maybe just some different issues that come up once you're living kind of back out on your own again. So, I love it. Um, so one of the moms that is really inspiring to me is, um, there's several, <laughs> but um, one of the ones that I've been working with quite a bit has been dealing with sobriety and dealing with some really intense uh, pain in her story. Recently her son was hit by a um, truck when she, he was riding his bike and they weren't even sure initially if he was going to survive and so for the entire month of months of December and January she was just really uh camped out at the hospital with him and because of that a lot of the progress that she had made while living with us kind of fell back like she lost her job she lost her housing all kinds of things just because of not being able to work um but these past few months we've just been meeting every week or every other week and um She's just been really doing a lot of the hard work needed to deal with the really painful stuff while staying sober, instead of kind of falling back into some of her old habits. She's really been focusing on, how do I deal with this level of pain while not doing drugs, while not drinking, while not numbing myself? And so she's been really um, doing a lot of counseling and dealing with the sadness of it, but also has gotten another job, um, found another place to have secure housing again, Um, She found out a way to actually um, be her son's caretaker and receive pay for that through access. And so she's just been really smart about it and um, now is kind of back on her feet and feeling hopeful and confident again instead of just being really broken down and shut down from it, which was a little, it was just scary for a while, wondering how she was going to handle it. And so I've been really proud
2: of her. Great. That's a great story. It's a good story (laughs) of resilience. Mm Mm-hmm. And like having learned like hope so that you can use it when you have something else hard in your life. Mm -hmm.
1: I have a mom right now. She's really young. She's 19 and she has two kids. And every day I'm just really look at her in awe with her motivation to want to do things. You know, she comes from the reservation where they live in a really small house with no electricity. And, you know, her parents were drug addicts. And, you know, she doesn't have an education past eighth grade, and she's just is super motivated to want to be better. And so, you know, just all the trauma, you know, that they go through and still have that resilience is just kind of leaves you in awe looking at them and being, man, would I be that strong if put under the same circumstances? So, you know, she's reunifying with her children who were in DCS care and she's doing everything that needs to be done. She just keeps saying, I just want to do better than what was done for me. So she's really, you know, trucking along, working on her GED, uh, just got a job and is doing great and never uh, shows weakness. So I feel like she actually keeps me going, Mm -hmm. will stay.
4: I just kind of want to talk a little bit about all the moms that are inspiring to me like globally. Um, I think that we are all blessed as coaches to watch their journey and their growth in all aspects. Um, they do help me become a better mother, um, with all that they have to go through. Motherhood's hard enough on its own, but when we have barriers, um, like addiction and, um, income instability and, uh, developing healthy relationships, uh, all the things our moms kind of go through, it's inspiring to watch them work through it. Um, I also love the amount of time we get to work with our moms to watch the family and growth happen Mm -hmm. all through their pregnancy and then um, up to a year after. Um, So as a mother, I just always come home, as I feel like a better mother every time I work with our moms. Um, I think they work really hard Um, to improve their lives on a daily basis and we require a lot of them and um, I do see a lot of strength. A lot of the moms give me more strength. They have a lot of bravery and courage and ability to to turn around really hard, horrible upbringings, really difficult relationships, um, very difficult separations of their children. That's really hard to walk that journey with them when their kids have been removed but there's a joyous point when they're given back, the opportunity to reunify with their family. Um, So for me, it's just watching all of that and being inspired by their fight and their drive and improving their lives, because a lot of people don't do that. Um, So to get to watch that happen. Um, The hard part for me is going through the the lows um, with them and the pain. Um, but also just celebrating in their joys, and um, so I'm just grateful that I get a job where I can be inspired by the moms we work with and, and watch them um, do beautiful things with their life.
3: I feel like you make a good point, Dina. I had something that was kind of uprooting in my own life last week, and I was really kind of feeling frantic. And I was talking with a friend, and just kind of like, I don't know how to fix these things that sort of got uprooted. And really, I pictured three different moms' stories from here as sort of motivation for me to say, I can, I can do this. I can problem solve this. And mom, like, they're really, they're inspirational in the resilience that they have and the bounce back and the ability to problem solve really hard things on their feet really quickly. And so I think that's a skill that I've learned by having this job and interacting with moms is just like, you can handle hard things. Really, and so I appreciate that about all the moms.
4: That's true. And watching them, kind of face their trauma, because most of us don't want to face that, Um, so we block it. And I think um, we all develop skills of blocking, but watching Mm -hmm. them actually face it um, to move through it and to overcome it is is really some miracle in the work that they do.
2: So I agree with you very much. Um, Tell me about one of your best days as a Maggie's Place family coach. What's a day where you're like, this is a really good day? Mm.
5: Um, For me, I'm currently working with a mom. We had a conversation last week during one of our family coach coach meetings. Um, She's actually transitioning to the Mary house. Uh, She has an older daughter um, and a baby. And so just talking about the process of getting there um she just she told me something that i really took to heart and and appreciate about maggie's place she said um maggie's place just gave me a chance to rest and to breathe and the reality of what that looks like right we have moms from all sorts of um, backgrounds and just how tired they are like physically mentally emotionally it's real you know and but like so having that reminder like yeah our moms are tired but and just having the blessing of giving them like the space to rest um when they really need it and but now it's like she's dreaming big right she applied for our scholarship to go to college just is just completing her first class is moving to marry, is getting her food handler's card, is, you know, becoming employed, all these things, reunifying with her older daughter. um, Just, so that was a very happy moment for me, just seeing how she's gotten the rest that she needed, um, is dreaming big. She's not settling. That is beyond um, of what I could maybe not expect but want you know for our moms um and i wish that they would all um find that encouragement and the will you know to dream that big um and so i'm really happy you know that we have this team of family coaches um that get to dream alongside them um So, yeah, but like Dina said before, you know, there are very hard things, but there's days like that family coaching day that is just full of celebration and happiness, so.
1: I feel lucky working, you know, at the Mary House where we get to reunify the kids, reunify the families, the moms to their children that DCS has taken, so I feel like I get those great days a couple times a year when the families reunify, Uh, you know, it's always... As a society, we do a lot to fund a lot of foster care assistance and, um, you know, a lot of things for the kids, but we don't often look to how can we actually put the family back together. Automatically, people assume, you know, the moms lost their children because they were bad and we need to work on the contingency of that, the foster care, the permanent placement, and all of that stuff. But not often do they look to put the family back together. So for me, it's always great when we put the family back together, you know, the day the kids come home, you know, sometimes it's not an outwardly amazing thing because they're scared, they're timid. Um, But when the moms move out because they stay a year after they've reunified, it's just a beautiful thing to see. They're packing up their car with their kids, they're going to independent housing, they've got their money saved, they've done... Um, a lot of great things in their time with us so I feel like I get to see that story play out a couple times a year um, I wish that we could do more but we only have four apartments but yeah that's that's the best thing about my job
3: <laughs> I think for me the best day this is, maybe it's going to sound weird but it's like that combination of the really celebratory things and then also when someone comes in who's in a lot of pain not because the pain is nice but um as y'all and my mom coach i feel like you never know how a mom's gonna walk through the door because she may not have been here for a couple of weeks or she may have just had a really brutal couple of days um before she shows up here and so the days where you have one mom who walks in and is like oh my gosh we've been working at my credit score for two months and it's good enough now that I just bought a house and, oh my gosh, I'm moving in next week. you got to see the pictures. And so that's really exciting. And, you know, we're crying together and celebrating together the progress that she's made. And then the very next mom who walks in is a mom who maybe was just recently beat up again by her boyfriend. And her very first thing is, I didn't know where else to go, um, but this is where I knew to come. Like, this is the first place I, I thought of as my safe place. And so that recognition of, like, we're trusted in the celebration and we're also trusted in the painful part is really, really precious. And that there's a lot of pressure when someone walks in and is like, I need a safe place to go. I just, you know, have this DV domestic violence experience. There's a lot of pressure in that, but it's also really beautiful and a sweet feeling to help them find the next safe step and to know that because we have that relationship with them, they had a place to go because a lot of people don't. And so to me, that mixture of celebration and walking in that pain with people is a really sweet gift and makes for a good day.
6: Yeah.
3: So. Um,
6: I think my favorite days at the apartment complexes are when, um, are really the mundane moments. I was thinking just yesterday, um, pe- people were just coming at home from work, the kids were playing outside, moms were popping in my office saying you know, sharing me, sharing with me what happened during their day. And I just really enjoyed those moments because it feels very um, community-based for me. Um, The work is very much like in relationship with each other, um, trying to build relationships between the moms and the children um, to create a community of safety and healing. Um, So I think it's just the quieter little moments seeing kids play
2: that um, I really enjoyed the most. Thank you guys for sharing. Mm -hmm. So what do you, tell us about, like, what are the hard days? Like, as a family coach, I always tell people when I'm speaking, like, working at Maggie's Place, you see, like, the beauty and the horror of the world. And so, and I'm always like, and I could never be a family coach. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But tell us, like, just a glimmer, like, what are the hard days um, at work?
1: You know, I, I can say that the hard days, because we've had a lot lately, you know, for, for us, uh, the hard days are when the mom relapses, when she, you know, succumbs back to the addiction, and you have to have the conversation of, you know, what does life look like from here? Um, the hard days are when DCS comes to remove the children. Uh, you know, I've been there when DCS comes, and the kids are screaming and holding on to mom, and mom's crying. Um, And the hard days are when the moms question themselves. Am I strong enough for this? Am I good enough for my children? Can I remain sober? Um, Or, you know, I've messed up and now I don't think I'm worthy. And uh, trying to build them back up. Those are the hard days for me.
3: I think along with that, Candice, I think of having to advocate for moms when society, people in society are speaking down to them, that's really hard to hear and to, to know the impact that it has on that mom. And so there's times where even like judges sometimes or um, DCS employees or all kinds of people just really have a, use their power to kind of keep a mom low or say things to her where you're like, that is not okay. And it's just so hard to watch it impact the mom that you know is really strong and really resilient and just needs a little bit of grace and to be given a second chance. And so that definitely makes for hard days when you see the moms get hurt in that way.
6: I think kind of similar to that, the systemic issues that the moms face, I sometimes find incredibly overwhelming. And I can even go to places of despair when I think, oh, how are we gonna navigate um, you getting a job or you make a livable income, but then you don't, you no longer qualify for DES daycare, um, or if you, you know, buy a car, maybe that means then you can't afford rent. Um, just these really basic kind of human needs to navigate life be- can become really difficult and the balance is really fragile. Um, so sometimes that feels really overwhelming. So, and the needs are so much greater than what resources are out there.
2: So as a as a family coach, that can feel very overwhelming. Yeah, I was interviewing a mom. I think it was yesterday, or maybe a different time at the Michael House, and she was talking about how hard it was to find daycare because her job was an hour and a half bus ride right away. So to think about having three hours on the bus mm-hmm. plus the time it required you know eight nine hours to be at your job like a lot of daycares aren't even open that long. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of gets to, and I know we see it a lot within the legal system of just the systemic issues. And I was like, what led us to opening the Mary House was like, you're working to reunify with your kids, and then you, your kids are ready to move in, but then you could no longer qualify for our housing, because we had homes that were just for mother and infant, and so then you're homeless again, and now you can't reunify with your kids, so I always You can't get housing family housing without your children but you can't get get reunified as a family unless you have housing so there's a lot of just systemic issues i think another really hard thing that's uh maybe systemic is
3: so the moms work really hard i don't i can't think of very many moms alumni moms who aren't trying really hard in their job and things like that but once they hit a certain point in their work of pay, they are no longer eligible for any of their services. They're not eligible for food stamps, they're not eligible for daycare, they're not eligible for insurance. And so it's really hard to sit with these moms who, if they make $11 an hour, they can keep all of their services, but they have to keep a job that isn't a dream job for them. But the jump that they would have to make to be able to afford all of the services that they would lose feels really impossible for a lot of them. And so helping moms kind of um, piece that together, like how do I, what do I do if I can't, I don't want to get a raise of 25 cents an hour because I'm going to lose all of my services. And that's a very real fear to moms. Yeah,
2: Maricopa County just released a statistic from the county health department um, that I was putting in a funding source the other day that to be a single mom with two kids, you need to make $65,000 a year or $30 an hour to be able to support for all of your family Mm -hmm. needs and not have any form of social, Mm -hmm. um, health, social benefits. So I thought that was, you know, kind of to your point. Yeah.
3: That's, that's definitely one of the harder things with for the alumni moms is to when they come and they're freaking out because they've lost their, um, eligibility for a lot of services and they want to celebrate that they got a higher paying job, but that, $13 13 or $14 an hour job really just cost them a lot of money. And so it's just a really hard spot. The working poor, I feel like, really get overlooked a lot in our society. And that's kind of the category that a lot of our moms wind up in. And so I think that's one of the hard pieces for sure.
5: One of the hardest days for me as a family coach is um, having to ask a mom to leave. whatever the reason may be um you know testing um positive for you know for something on a drug test or just striking out you know after multiple conversations or I think the hardest part is like having multiple conversations and trying to care for a mom trying to have them see that we genuinely like care for them and that we're on their team um, is really hard because they're not used to that. Like some of our moms really aren't used to that. They're used to being in this battle, you know, like we call the life on their own. And so when people come alongside, you know, that are wanting to help, that are wanting to support, it's so foreign that Sometimes, you know, you can be in one of our houses for a few months, but still can't get used to the idea that people are for you or for them. Um, it's like fighting against nature even sometimes, and that's really hard. Like... And we, right, we can't change them. Um, number one you know, thing that I had to learn um, as a family coach is that I'm never going to be able to change anyone. I mean, that, that's okay. Um, but we continue doing the work. Um, we continue uh, hoping and supporting people. But that's one of the hardest things. Um, coming to that point of having to ask a mom to leave is one of the hardest things that I, I probably have to do um in my job
2: okay i was gonna see if you guys could speak to um like a volunteer who inspires you so i think that um that could be some of our americorps members so i think that sometimes um we get to see people who really give really beautifully to their community um here and that's really cool and so i didn't know if anyone had a volunteer, you can call them out by name, <laughs> you going to give them a shout out and say why, but um, I think there's a lot of inspiring volunteers.
1: I think the Magdalen House is really lucky because they're our first home, so they have a lot of established volunteers and gosh, there's so many, I wish I could sit here and listen to them all, but I was thinking of a story that came to mind. Uh, we have a volunteer, Mary, she comes every Monday without fail, she is there. And I was thinking about this one time that our AmeriCorps were on retreat, and it was just me and her. And the house was getting sprayed for bed bugs, and we had the stomach flu going around the house. Mm-hmm. And it was just an ugly day, <laughs> you know. And it's everyone was triggered, and emotions were high. And you know, I'm running around the house, you know, helping a mom clean up vomit and trying to talk to another mom who's, you know, having this other meltdown. And she was just a calm in the storm just her attitude towards everything she's like it's fine i've got this you know just even the way she speaks there's just a calmness to her that makes you feel at peace and so she's you know talking to the bed bug guy about (laughs) you know how you know we need to do all this stuff for the next 12 hours for bed bugs to die and (laughs) you know she was just really an angel that day and you know i had to write her a thank you note because you get swept away in the crazy and you forget to stop to thank people. Uh, You know, sometimes you forget that they don't have to do it. You know, it's my job, you know, I'm there, I'm getting paid for I do it, but volunteers, they don't have to do it. And yet she does it and she comes back every single Monday and, you know, that reliability is a huge thing too. Um, Because it is, you know, volunteers they have their day jobs and things come up so you know, they're not as held to some things, but Mary, without fail, will be there every Monday, and she will tackle every problem that comes that day, and she is just such a blessing to the moms, and a blessing to us, because she is, you know, Team Magdalene House. Um, yeah, I just had to share that story about her. Hmm.
2: Sounds like a fun day. That's what I Yeah, just about every Monday. <laughs> <laughs>
4: We have an amazing volunteer at the E House that's there every Tuesday. She makes dinner every Tuesday night. She brings all of the groceries, cooks, smells the whole house up. She is amazing. Um, she also lets every mother pick her material for their baby blanket. And she makes every new mother a blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, sweet. And she's just always there. She's just a great support. She has a very good relationship with all of our moms the core um, just spoils the house. So very grateful for her. I'm very grateful too for our um, AmeriCorps because they've taught me a lot of things just as a human being, a lot of love and grace. Um, They inspire me like the moms, like our moms do, Um, but the selflessness, the very long shifts, um, the 24-7 love um that they show to our moms and that they're always there uh so okay. i uh, get to work with all of those great volunteers very grateful cool.
2: good job keep going keep going I don't step away. and
4: she's like wrap it up wrap it up <laughs>
1: Okay, I hate to hijack the conversation of volunteers, but I have to say <laughs> this volunteer as well, because he's a man. And, you know, a lot of times we think of a lot of women when we think Maggie's Place, And he's a teacher by day, and he comes every Wednesday night. Matthew, he's such a gift to the house. And it's so great, because um, I think some of the houses have a few men, but those men are just amazing, because they teach these women who have come from... Histories with not having strong male presence Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe not even positive experiences with you know males and they're shy from them or timid scared, Uh, but he comes and The moms just automatically gravitate to him. They almost feel like okay. This is how a man should be This is how he should treat me. This is how he is dependable. He is here Mm -hmm. again without fail to help, and you know, then some. And he works a day job, and he still has time mm. for us. And I think that's an important part of Maggie's Place is the men, mm-hmm. uh, because they bring such a different aspect mm-hmm. to you know the homes and the moms. And you know, it's it's almost strange because sometimes when you see a man, we all look at each other in the homes like, who is that? You know, <laughs> because it's so few and far between. But it's huh. such a gift when they can share their gifts with us. Um, and, you know, it's it's nice because the babies, when they're crying, they love those male voices. You know, I know, like, when mine were little, you know, my husband would talk and they'd be screaming. And just the deep vibration.
5: <laughs> you know, so it's
1: just, it's funny how even early on the babies, you know, can sense that male impact.
5: Um, that reminds me. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to Jeff. He's part of our staff. But just like you were talking, um, he's always willing to help selfless and when i see him here at fiat you know interacting you know with the babies and the kids and like they know him you know they come to him they try like talking to him um so i just think that's huge and really appreciate jeff you know for mm-hmm. being so present all the time um and so giving
4: and fixing everything it breaks, and that breaks in all yes everything fix fixer
3: <laughs> Uh, I guess a group of volunteers, I think about, there's, there's two groups, or one group and one individual. So, um, I get to lead our support group on Thursday nights, and on the Thursday before Mother's Day, uh, we talked about how this is a lot of their first time experiencing Mother's Day, where they get to hold a baby in their arms, and for some of them, that's really redeeming, and for some, the pain of Mother's Day is still really deep. Um, and, I was actually really surprised by how many of the moms were only able to still feel pain about Mother's Day. They weren't excited um, just because of how much it triggers their own story from growing up. And um, one of the moms said, the only thing that gets me through Mother's Day is our Mother's Day party at Maggie's place. I want a hot meal at the party at Maggie's place on that Saturday, and that will be a good Mother's Day to me. And all the moms were like, Yes, girl, yeah, like, got really excited about it, and like, Yes, that is what I want to. And so, it just makes me aware of how many volunteers we rely on to make these community events happen. And I think the community events are something that really makes this place unique and makes moms want to come back. Um, and so, like, Knights of Columbus, NCL, there's just a lot of volunteer groups that come to different things at our outreach center and make these parties really special and unique for the moms and Chris of course who does a million events for us um and has crafts and all kinds of stuff ready for the moms there's so many um volunteers and then the AmeriCorps really um who live in the homes to me are just phenomenal and uh, we call them mission corps sometimes but AmeriCorps and um I just think about how like there was a baby who was crying here last Thursday, and it's a baby that I see every Thursday, but that's it. And I tried to hold her, and it was like, nope, she's not calming down. And then the AmeriCorps from her home just picked her up, and she's like, well, okay. Like, she just stopped crying. Mm-hmm. And I thought about how, like, they day in and day out are really investing and pouring into the moms and the babies mm-hmm. and how precious that is. And then they get to have, all the, like, a lot of laughs with them moms and a lot of sweet times, but they're also kind of the front runners when there's a lot of pain. And so... I think there's just been a lot of pain this year. We've had a baby who's passed away and um, just lots of postpartum and things like that where the um, AmeriCorps volunteers had to really choose if they were going to kind of take the back door instead of, like, this is not actually my problem, so I'm out. Either I'm going to check out or I'm going to leave, or um, to really step up and choose to engage. And there were some really phenomenal Corps this year who just stepped right into it and walked beside the moms in really hard things so that's amazing to me
4: I agree with that I just watching the AmeriCorps walking in that pain and Mm -hmm. and trying to also help them separate it as well as myself I think you walk in the pain so intensely that it's very hard to let it go Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of moms so when you walk in a lot of pain trying to balance that um, and I think it is hard for the Mission Corps and the Mericorps because they are living in it 24 hours a day. And so that separation piece is so hard. But also that's the beautiful side of it is the pure living in the community together. And, and it is a family. Um, some of my best days are when I'm in like community circle or at dinner and I'm actually part of the Gratitude circle. Mm -hmm. It's like such a gift in my life. Um, And also something I've taken into my own home. Again, I do gratitude circle with my own family at dinner and it's all because of the mom's and Maggie's place Mm -hmm. and and we even popcorn, you know, to the next child or or person. But um, yeah, it's just, those are gifts too that our volunteers have given, that our core give, that just examples and Mm -hmm. walking in the pain and and finding the beauty in that. a miracle to watch.
3: There was an alumni mom who passed away recently and um, some long-standing Michael House volunteers, um, I mean they made sure that a lot of the alumni moms knew about her passing so they could be at the funeral. They helped arrange the funeral. They, I mean they really, one of the former AmeriCorps, Mission Corps, um, reached out to her brother who works at one of the funeral homes in town and made sure that a space was provided for her. I mean, just, I I really appreciate the volunteers who are in it for the long haul with the moms and can really go to those hard places without judgment. It's a really big gift.
4: And it is, it's a family. Mm -hmm. I think our volunteers become family Mm -hmm. for our moms for life, uh, as well as the Mission Corps and volunteers. So that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Eh. Not the family you're born into, but it's the family and that's the family that you're given. I agree.
3: So what do you think makes Maggie's place unique from other agencies in your experience or from what you've seen? Not to talk negatively about other ways a bit to affirm what happens here.
1: You know, I think of two things. I think of one is just the setting of our homes. You know, that's, that's evident from when you walk in the door, you know, we're just not this warehouse of cots and beds set Mm -hmm. up. It's not cold and, um, you know, it's just very homely. You walk in, there's always somebody there because, you know, we always have somebody on duty and that gives a calm sense of stability There's always someone to talk to, there's always someone to ask how your day is going, have your room. Um, And you're treated with such respect and dignity from the beginning. And I think that that uh, is different from a lot of places. A lot of places, you know, do that as well. I think we just do it great. Um, And then also the other thing I was thinking about, you know, Alicia was talking before about having to ask mom to leave as being really hard. And part of that hard is where are they going to go now, and so I've been trying to find a mom that unfortunately we can't service her uh, with the needs that she needs with her, um, with her addictions, and so I'm contacting other places and just how they talk about their intake process. They were like, well, she's interviewing with a lot of other moms, so you might want to prep her because we get to decide, you know, mm-hmm. who's coming. And I was like, wow. Doesn't everybody deserve a chance, though? And I sure hope that that's not what you're saying to the women who are calling you because that's pretty triggering, especially, you know, everybody who's calling you is in some sort of trauma. Something is going on. And for you to tell them that they better bring their best foot forward and impress you, that's... That's shocking, you know, I mean, and Alicia, you know, has spoken before on our intake process of, you know, you get some questions to see if you're a good fit for our program, and, you know, if we have room, then we, you know, invite to the next process, and it's very nurturing, and it's about finding out if we're the right program for mm-hmm. you, not so much are you the right mom for us, yeah. and so I just was really saddened by their approach, and that's how they would talk to people, and I just said, wow, that's another thing that we do really well. Mm-hmm. I think kind of what Candace was saying,
6: like the hospitality piece of Maggie's Place, it's one of our core values, but it's very, it sounds like a small thing, um, that we care so much about hospitality, and maybe that means, you know, giving someone a meal, like if someone comes to the resource center, it's always met with, a hello is always met with, you know, would you like a snack, or would you like some water or something to drink, and um, it really, I think, speaks to how we care so much about the dignity of people here, um, that you're not just a problem to be solved, or um, you're not just, uh, yeah, the 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 struggles you face, but you really are a human being who, like Alicia said, might just need some time to rest and um, be treated with kindness. Um, so I think that really sets the tone for where some real deep healing can take place um beyond just here's here's a bed and a roof Mm -hmm. um but let's really um in a in an environment of love work toward healing Mm -hmm. and get to know you as a person
1: Yeah. yeah i think about that hospitality piece i had a mom one time say that she didn't so on monday nights we have community night where the moms all have to meet you know for dinner and we use that as you know a space to catch up on the week and everyone's you know interests and the classes that are coming up and one of the moms was always very on the outside of that group never didn't really talk much kind of even act annoyed to be there and but it was mandatory so she showed up you know to do it and then it was probably a few months into her stay. She just really like broke down, was just really sad and crying to me. And she was like, I just have never had a family dinner. Mm-hmm. And I was really scared and everybody sat down and they didn't care that I didn't weigh in on stuff. You know, I you know was just a presence and they would turn to me and be like, do you need anything? Um, she was like, but no one was mean to me because I was being mean. And you know, she admitted I was being mean. And um, just knowing that a lot of these women have not had what we're setting up for them family-wise—they've not had those family dinners, they've not had those people asking how are you doing, sharing their day, I'm talking about what they're grateful for. So it's growth. It's growth for a lot of them coming in. Yeah. But eventually, you know, if if they can, you know, put in the work, they they get to see the beauty of it, and it becomes the norm. And, you know, I even hear, and I hope that with most of them, it's something they then carry on, Mm -hmm. you know, with their kids. Um, They may not have had it growing up, but in their adult life, they've now been shown it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another unique thing that we get to have is the family aspect. Mm -hmm.
3: I um, get a real privilege of getting to be the supervisor to the coaches, and I am... I guess this is my chance to affirm y'all over (laughs) a podcast, but um, one thing that I think really stands out from other places that I've worked is that there isn't this um, subtle, sometimes subtle, sometimes really obvious sense of like, well, this mom's just going to fail anyway. There's not – that's not present in our coaches, in um, the way that we try to operate as an organization. We really hope for the moms and – Throughout the week, a lot of times I'll staff several different moms with several of the coaches, and there's never this sense of, like, uh, just giving up in a judgmental way. Sometimes there's discouragement, or I don't know how to walk alongside her right now because it hurts, or because she has given up so much right now, or things like that, but it's not this sense of judgment of, like, um, she's such a mess, and... Um, she's so lucky to have you know things that I think a lot of times people in this this field can start to um, accidentally adopt as ways of thinking. I don't feel like I feel like we work really hard to not have that mindset, and that's actually really hard to keep that attitude of hope and walking alongside instead of just trying to fix and pull someone into a position because it's it's really it's really tiring and hard to be walking next to someone who is right on the edge of relapsing for weeks at a time and you're kind of you know just as not just as nervous as they are but you know you're feeling that that fear and that like oh gosh this is a make or break moment for them and that it matters to me too because I care about this mom it's genuine care it's not just it's not just a caseload and so um to me that's something that each of the coaches brings in is this genuine really really genuine and deep care for each mom even moms who come in with the really really hard stories and um, I think that's unique and really precious Thank good you. job ladies
6: no problem. Yeah.
1: when you were talking about how it's so easy to fall into that judgment mm-hmm. and stuff it was making me think you know you know I'm not saying that there's anything wrong you know with DCS but you know, I deal with a lot of caseworkers that you know have uh, you know exhaustion. Mm-hmm. They become apathetic. Um, there's a lot of really great ones out there. Shout out to all the ones I've worked with. That yeah. are amazing. You know, but some of them have high case loads, are really you know tired and kind of grouchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, but it reminds me of you know. So we're called family coaches, but we're essentially case managers mm-hmm. in the social work world, and you know we use that term you know here and there when we're in court we'll say case manager but we call ourselves family family coaches because no one likes to be case managed no (laughs) so (laughs) so essentially you know when you work with other case managers you just see the difference Mm -hmm. in it you know you would think a case manager really is on your case you know on your team And that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes case managers, you know, just assume, you know, that you're with a group of people or a certain type of person, that you just have this label on you. And maybe it's because they have, you know, very high caseloads that they just have to start grouping people Mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, maybe make sense of all of the work they have. But we, you know, are lucky that we have a lower caseload and that we can make it more individualized. But yeah, sometimes you forget that we're, we're case managers, working mm-hmm. with other case managers. We just don't look like it. Yeah. And we're you know, masquerading behind that title a family coach. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> I know one time I went to court with a mom and I forgot to tell her, in court settings, I'm going to call myself your case manager, because family coach doesn't have, it doesn't mean anything in the court world. That's our, yeah. our terminology. And so in court I said, you know Emily, I'm her case manager, blah blah, blah, after court, she looks at me and she's like, you're my case manager? And I was like, yes. I am. <laughs> we just don't use that language here. So it's funny. Any other thoughts about that? Um, you about to say something.
6: Yeah, I have one thing to add. And it's in the theme of... I've just worked at other places where I've been a case manager. And maybe in some ways it's been easier because the goals that I was given for my clients or the people I was serving were very clear and the outcomes that were wanted were really kind of precise. And I love Maggie's Place because we really let, I mean, it's very, um, the women we serve, it's it's very much based on their goals. Sure, we can um, talk things through and maybe help them come to like what might be the best but there's no like if you move into our homes like you must do you must get a job you must um go to school you must whatever it might be it's whatever is best for her whether that means getting more education whether whatever her productivity it it's it's open um I don't know if be saying that no it makes <laughs> articulately sense. but um I just really it's again goes back to I think how much we invest in the dignity of the individuals we serve where, you know, we get to, we get to cheer them on. We get to point them in the right direction for resources, but it's ultimately their life and they need to be invested in where they're going. And I
1: appreciate that. I think the biggest thing as a family coach is meeting the mom where she's at. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not coming in, having the expectations Mm -hmm. or saying that it has to be a certain outcome. You know, meeting her where she's at really Mm -hmm. makes it more successful, I think, because you don't set them up for failure in ways that, you know, they could never have attained Mm -hmm. certain things.
3: And I think we also really try to pay attention holistically and really holistically as in not just the tangible things like financial and um, having housing and food and all that kind of stuff, but I think we really try to recognize in a mom that if she figures out how to get a job and how to pay rent but she hasn't dealt with the fact that she's felt very very unloved for most of her life then probably at some point she's going to sabotage those tangible things because of that emotional pain and so we really try as an organization to focus on and emphasize that those emotional needs are just as important and maybe even more so for a while um so that the mom can get some like some of her own sense of security and her own sense of um, healing emotionally and then can start to really hold on to those tangible things that she needs. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so it sounds like we're kind of going in this direction, but uh, we're talking a lot about honoring the dignity of the moms. What are some ways that you feel like Maggie's Place really um, values dignity and upholds dignity and practices it in our homes and in our community?
5: (laughs) I think for me, just showing up and being present, I think, shows the fact that we care, we truly and wholly, you know, care about them fully. Um, I I hope, you know, that all the moms that we work with really feel that, you know, that we care about who they really are. Um, And...
4: Mm -hmm. I think Maggie's place upholds dignity by just again, kind of what we talked about Um, meeting a mom where they're at understanding the dynamics of where they're at, Mm -hmm. for me the hardest day is like when Alicia said, asking a mom to to leave, my hardest day is when maybe their trauma limits their ability to do the work necessary to stay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and that's the saddest day ever Um, but Treating the moms with dignity, um, meeting where they're at, helping them with the goals they want to achieve. It's very client-driven, very mom-driven, very family-driven, the entire organization. Um, And it's all based on improving the quality of their lives and their family. Um, Every kind of move we make or every kind of session we have or everything we, we build or plan. And I think that's how Maggie's Place sort of responds to the need. In a real, true way. The other thing I think is the giving our families the opportunity to have the time to do it. Some of the programs are very transitional, or Mm -hmm. goes back to how are we different. Or they might give them 90 days, but just having a year to two to actually watch the changes happen, because that's about how long it will take to work Mm -hmm. through some of the trauma um, that they have had. So of meeting the moms where they're at and and giving them the time and the resources to meet their goals I've had a mom tell me
1: when she was leaving that never once did she feel judged Mm -hmm. by anything she had ever done she felt like when she came to Maggie's place she had a clean slate, she could be anybody and she chose to be an amazing person Uh, but I think just the dignity in not having those preconceived notions about you know, anything that she had done and what that meant for her as a person um, really gives them that freedom to be like, I can change. I can make new choices. I don't have to be who DCS thinks I am or, you know, who the legal system Mm -hmm. thinks I am based on things that I've done in the past. And I think that
4: holds a great amount of dignity Mm -hmm. with it, to be able to have that fresh start. I agree. I did want to say something on that. I think another joy in coaching is helping the mom be the voice like she, Mm -hmm. helping her make the phone call to DCS and actually um, having enough ability to kind of advocate for herself and her family. Um, Because it's a very intimidating process even for us family coaches to go to court or to talk to DCS or people involved. But To give the mom that strength and that voice and then to watch them do it oh that's those are huge days when they pick up the phone and yeah and they and they have a lot of good things to say and people listen Um, I like watching that process and helping navigate that process with them Um, I think it's just really important
3: I think a way that um, I see dignity practiced again among this team of coaches, and I think uh, overall, is that we really are careful with things. So let me start with a story to kind of serve as an example. I had a mom who came in who was in desperate need of housing. She's an alumni mom, and things had kind of gotten tight financially, so she needed a place to go. And she went to this other organization to ask them for help figuring out what are some affordable um, housing options, low-income housing, transitional housing, all of that kind of stuff. They gave her a piece of paper and told her, here, call these places. Um, I'm sure one of them will work, basically. So she showed me the list, and I was like, I haven't even heard of some of these, and found out that one of them had closed in 2011. One of them was actually just only for men. One of them, none of them, very, very few of them were actual fits, and the ones that were fits didn't have any spaces open. And I just thought that is not treating someone with dignity that's doing your job technically you gave them a list of resources but doing it while staying very emotionally disconnected from it and so um one of the things that i think we really try to do here is we problem solve alongside the mom instead of giving her some resource that we have no idea whether it's going to work or not and it starts even at our intake process i know for alicia if a mom calls even if she's not a right fit for us Um, It's very important to Alicia to make sure that that mom or that woman gets off the phone with at least two other places that she can call. And I also know that for Alicia, it feels really important if she knows a place is not going to have space available to not just give that number um, randomly just so that she can feel okay. Like, well, I gave her a phone number. Um, But we do that in coaching, too, a lot. You know, we instead of saying, like, well, here's a list of stuff, call them and maybe something will work out. A lot of times we'll call alongside things. If we need to advocate, we will. If the mom needs to see us model, this is how you have this conversation, we'll do it. Um, Not taking away from the mom's ability to do things or not saying that she's not strong enough. But just, I mean, haven't we all been there where you don't want to do something alone because it's so exhausting? And so um, to just serve as that uh, walking alongside the mom and not just giving her a list of things that are not going to work out for her and disrespecting her time um disrespecting the dignity that she carries
6: i think we also invite a lot of um mom participation in maggie's place Mm -hmm. that's really how i think um we take that sense of community very seriously where we don't just want to be talking to the moms or creating what we think they need. So we're I think always striving to be more inclusive of their voices, whether that means, you know, that we have a thrift store that is run completely by moms who have lived in our homes. Um we have Resident assistants at our Gerard House and Mary House properties that give leadership positions to our moms. We have support groups um, uh, led by moms, Mm -hmm. um, cooking opportunities, classes. And again, I think we're always striving to do more, um, which can be challenging. But I think we see it as a worthy challenge and an important one to be an inclusive and solidarity-based organization.
3: So I really admire that about Maggie's Place. Okay, so I have two more questions for us. The first one is, imagine yourself day one of working here, and then look at yourself now. What are some of the ways that you have grown and developed and strengthened because of your role as a family coach? That's the first question.
6: That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of thought. Uh, yeah, exactly. so I feel like on a pretty much daily basis, I'm taken to the outer limits of what I'm capable of and what my knowledge is of. Whether that means having to look for a community resource that um, a mom is needing that I haven't come across yet, or just emotionally having to go to a place um, Within myself that I <laughs> have not had mm. to go yet, or um, you know, learning how to regulate myself even at times during very stressful moments, during crisis moments. Um. So I think it it keeps me really humble, um, but really full of growth
1: mm. as well. Mm. I've learned that I can't own their successes nor their failures.
5: Mm. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's, it's sad when things don't pan out, you know, the way we had hoped for, planned for, set for. Um, but I can't own that as my own failure. And just like I can't own their success when they do something great, I can't be like, oh, it's because I did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so I think that that's kind of hard because you become so invested in their story. Um, that you become such a moving piece in it that you have to realize that you're just the bystander in it. So it teaches you a lot of patience, a lot of listening, and uh, a lot of motivating them being the cheerleader and pointing them in the right direction and knowing that the way it works out is the way it was meant to be.
5: Mm -hmm. Um, Just realizing that I can't change anyone. Um, even though the desire is great for the good, you know, for that mom, for that baby, for that whole family, um, I don't have, uh, the ability to change anyone, um, but always hoping and praying for that mom or for that family, um, is always, um, good enough, um, so yeah, just realizing I'm not a superhero, I'm not a miracle worker, um, but I'm here and I'm present, um, and that that is good enough.
4: Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot of a lot about myself actually. Um, I also, through the moms, I really want to put myself in their shoes at all times when I'm working with them. Um, you know how how would it feel if I was in this position? there for the grace of God go I, and um, helping them maneuver through their goals. Um, and also, for me, just, again, you learn a lot about yourself. If, if something's being triggered, do what you ask the moms to do. What's being triggered? What's underneath my pain, or my anger, or my fear? Um, the things that we work with our, our moms with. What's underneath your pain, your anger, your fear? Um, and challenging yourself as a human being. Um, it's not just their work, we all have work to do we're all on the planet um, hopefully growing and and so the biggest thing it's taught me is do your own work um, Mm -hmm. if you're asking someone else to do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and just have a lot more love compassion and understanding and grace I definitely want to be more graceful I think I'm learning out of what I see from others Mm -hmm. something I haven't learned in other places I've worked so um, I feel like I get to grow while I watch other people grow, Mm -hmm. so, yeah,
3: that's awesome, I think for myself, um, like, being in support group is probably one of my favorite moments of my week, I love coaching one-on-one with the moms, but in support group, I kind of get to see how the moms really love each other in that hour, and I just, it blows me away almost every week, there's some weeks where I walk out like, that was chaos, but (laughs) most weeks, it's really, really just something that I'm like, that's it's really incredible and hearing how they rely and depend on each other but also there have been moments in support group where if my week has been hard they just know like they really the moms really see and so I have had moments where being in that support group as the one facilitating I feel that's when I feel the most seen in my week and so um I feel so aware that our moms have a lot of wealth in ways that um, that I feel like marginalized communities just really tend to have wealth that other communities don't. And so they have this ability to really have each other's back and to not be afraid to tell each other when they are hurting or when they're needing something. They may be scared sometimes to tell us as staff, but there seems to be this ability to be vulnerable that... A lot of other communities don't have and it's really challenged me and pushed me and it's made me really aware that um, a lot of times the people who end up being marginalized are the ones that really should be learning from and the ones that really should be being held high and um, so learning how to practice that and then learning how to be that bridge and telling other people that um, that this isn't a community to feel sorry for it's not a community to have pity or to do those things. It's a community to really embrace and yes, to offer the things that you're able to offer, but also to come in with humility to learn. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to do and wanting to be a bridge to challenge others to do. Um, but it's just a really precious community to face a lot of your stuff and to realize, wow, I'm I need I have a lot of areas that I need to grow in a lot of ways that I need things that the moms can give too it's not just me giving to them and so I'm thankful for that
5: yeah to the moms listening um, (laughs) yesterday I met it was my family coach day at the Michael house Um, so just bringing me back to reality, right? That I also matter, um, that I'm in this journey and this growth process with the moms, uh, regardless. And just having a mom asking me to be real, like, mm-hmm. how, how are you really? You know, she asked me that. I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that it's important. They feed off of that. They truly care for us as well, you know? And mm-hmm. so thank you, moms. Um, we really appreciate you. We yeah, yeah. do. Okay, one last question. This one's from Julie.
3: <laughs> um, we kind of have talked about what you've learned in your role of working with the moms, but what's one thing you want to tell the world from your experience in working with the moms in your time here? If you had one thing to just say.
4: Can I say, uh, for some reason this keeps going back in my mind over and over of, of so I feel it's weird, because it, it happened on my way home from work yesterday where I thought about a mom. Um, I had spent a few months working with her grief. She had lost um, her father, and she was just processing, it was very painful to watch. And then I lost my mother-in-law, and I came in to do coaching, and it was like the next day of losing my mother-in-law. And I was scheduled to see her for coaching, and I walked in the door, she was my first appointment, and she took one look at me and knew I wasn't okay. And mm-hmm. I didn't say one word, she just hugged me and embraced me. and it. I I honestly thought about that. I'm so grateful for her hug and for the gift she gave me because I think, and I told her, she was like the first person I said, my mother-in-law died. Um, And she just embraced me. She It's okay, it's okay. Um, To walk through her grief journey and then to have that hug that I still am comforted by, Mm -hmm. that I was comforted by last night on my way home when I was thinking about my mother-in-law. It was her hug and her embrace. And and I wanted to tell her, I was like, I want to reach out and send her an email and go, do you know how much that hug meant to me? That that you care for me at that moment, at the deepest, darkest moment of my life. Um, And I just feel like that was like something we shared together that I will have for the rest of my life. Mm, I feel honored and grateful to walk through her journey of grief and to watch her grow from it. And I'm so grateful that she was there for me. Um, It was very life changing very life-changing. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the one thing that comes to my mind, the, one of my greatest gifts so far. <laughs>
5: Thank you. I think I have a similar one to that. Um, just encountering a mom who her faith is just unshakable. Um, and you know, I, same, my brother, Excuse me. My brother um, had relapsed um, not so long ago. And just knowing, like, she's graduated from one of our homes. She's, you know, in our transitional housing. um, But knowing that I could reach out to her and just ask her to intervene in prayer, you know, for my brother. Because that's huge for me. Um, But just having different connections with different moms... And also knowing that they like genuinely and like truly care for us because we've worked with them for so long, have built these relationships with them. Um, so, just that like it's very real life, very um, I don't know, life giving. You know, to be in relationship with all the moms. Mm-hmm. I think my thing that I would tell the world is um,
3: it started not at Maggie's place, but a couple of weeks ago I was having coffee and doing some work on some admin stuff, and a man who uh, was clearly homeless and clearly mentally not well came into the coffee shop, and he didn't make eye contact with anyone, but then he looked up and I caught his eye and he just started mumbling something. And then he walked into the kitchen as if he owned the place. And the (laughs) owner of the coffee shop walked him out and uh, told him, you can't be in here, and he's yelling, and it's this big scene. And, um, oh, I hope I don't cry when I tell the story, because it really broke my heart. After he walked out and they closed the door, people kind of started laughing and sort of looking at each other, like, can you believe that experience that just happened? And um, this man said, well, Maybe he'll just wander in the middle of the street and the problem will deal with itself. Oh. And I just thought, how how is that okay to say that? And I actually said to him, I looked at him and I said, that might be the cruelest thing you say all week. Because I don't think he even thought that it was bad to say that. Like, it just was this man who I don't think he saw any worth in him. Um, oh, I might cry. I just was um, thinking about how there's these... System set up in our country, in our world, where you get to rank who you're better than and who you're not, and the reality is that everybody is worth something. Yeah. And so, I think to me, the thing I would say is like, look for the wealth in people. Like even if they don't have money or they don't have their mental capacities, like everybody carries wealth and beauty and who they are. Like we're created with purpose and. Um, it hurts when you choose to believe that you're better than someone else. Yeah. And I think that um, the moms at Maggie's place really have taught me a lot about seeing each other with dignity and with that, like, looking for the wealth in each other rather than the the ways that you get to say that you're better. And so that's what I would say.
1: I think mine is just like that and your story makes you sad mine makes me angry <laughs> a lot of people well you know when they ask you what you're doing and you guys you know probably get this too and you explain to them you know your job mm-hmm. what you do and people kind of take one or two routes they either say oh wow bless you for doing that mm-hmm. or they say oh gosh you do that mm-hmm. and they automatically pass judgment mm-hmm. on what they would classify as the people you're serving And that makes me angry Mm -hmm. because I'm like, don't judge them. Stop the judging. Yeah. Because you've not walked a day in their shoes. You know, I have a lot of moms who have, you know, been in and out of foster care homes themselves, um, you know, come from a lot of drug abuse in the household with their parents and older siblings, um, a lot of abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. And who is anybody to judge how they think that person Mm -hmm. should... Then make their decisions, their life choices, their how they behave, um, and so that makes me angry. It makes me angry when people say that. So my thing to the world basically: stop judging, <laughs> stop judging people. Yeah. You know, you you haven't walked a day in their shoes, so don't make an assumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and just and the volunteers can speak to this. Spend an hour in the home. Yeah. You realize that these people are, you know, and I say these people, but Maggie's Place moms, anybody, you know, who's gone through trauma, um, and is seeking help or um, housing, they're no different than us. They're they're your mom, they're your sister, they're your friend. Mm-hmm. They probably just have not had the luck that mm-hmm. you have had. And, you know, we're all usually where we're at because we've had someone help us. We've had an arm, that a hand that outstretched us. Mm-hmm. And these people, you know, a lot of these women didn't. So don't judge, yeah. you know, the choices they've made because of the circumstances they were
3: given. Write that on your mirror until you get it down. <laughs> Don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing you should be thinking about is yourself, right?
4: <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for tuning in this Monday and we hope that you enjoyed that episode with our family coaches. A huge thank you to Emily, Candace, Dina, Courtney, and Alicia for your time. We appreciate all that you guys do at Maggie's Place. Make sure to tune in next Monday for our next podcast. Any questions, comments, or ideas, please send them to our email at podcast at That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at maggiesplace.org. We love hearing from you guys. Until next time, see you next week.